gentlemen, the show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. He'll be fine on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnumidium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chiefs Sports Network. Juice Wells, all the way, touchdown Gamecocks. Pressure, and he just does it. All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Signorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics and built by the Barn Dominium Co. The Barn Doco is there called where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot if you live in the Carolinas, in Georgia, or in Tennessee. We, of course, are served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. Many of you who attended the Carolina Rise slash Big Spur slash show tailgate party this past weekend. Uh, a lot of you got a chance to experience that, and I know that because every bottle we brought was the first thing that disappeared. And uh, luckily, I was smarter than everybody and hid a bottle. So all of the bourbon didn't go way too fast. But um, anyway, certainly appreciate everybody uh, showing up there. And those of you that have been participating in the Chicken Cock Challenge, on the Chief Sports app, we really appreciate that, too. We'll have some gifts to you here uh, pretty soon. JC is a gift. He's back today from traveling yesterday. Phil's still here with that little scratch on his head, but it's all good. And then coming up at noon, talking ball with Pat DeMarco. Uh, Pat has a few plays he'll go over uh, from the game this past weekend, the loss against North Carolina. We'll put that video on the screen for you and let one of the best in the business kind of tell us what he is seeing there and kind of break some things down, good and bad, this weekend or or last weekend for the Gamecocks. Hopefully all good this upcoming weekend as Furman comes to town to kick off the 23 season at Williams-Brice Stadium. But with all of that said, we also have agree or disagree coming up a little bit later in the program. And uh, JC and Phil will answer some questions there, but we're glad that you're back safe and glad to see you here. JC, thanks for everything this past weekend. We, we, uh, of course, you spearheaded the whole thing. I know it was a team effort, but we'll pat you on the back before anybody else. Appreciate it. Yeah, I want to thank Chris Payne from Nana's Porch. Uh, delicious food. Nobody said yeah. anything but wonderful things about the food, and he worked his butt off and uh, to make sure everybody was okay. Thanks to my fiance Nat, who worked the door for us. Uh, thanks to you guys for helping out. Uh, my boy, Jamie Ray, uh, was a bartender for about an hour and a half. 
started talking about yeah, J- Jamie. Jamie talks a little bit more southern than the rest of us. He's like, man, I'm gonna be just like it's just like cocktail. I'm just like cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> so he was pouring drinks. Um, I want to give a shout out to our super fan Trung fan who brought his whole family. Oh yeah, that was awesome. You know, the whole time. Yep. Uh, many neat. of you uh, that that watched the show were there. In fact, I. I think I identified more people through the show than Carolina Rise or the Big Spur. Uh, a lot of people, big fans of us. Uh, shout out to Corey Miller, who helped us get Mark Bryan uh, and yep. uh, Occasional Milkshake there. The band was great, perfect. Um, High Seltzer was there. We appreciate that, certainly Chicken Cock. Too many people really to think. If I didn't get a chance to talk to you as much as I wanted to, believe me, it's, I did, didn't, didn't get a chance to talk to you as much as I wanted to, each and every one of you. Uh, while I was there, but, uh, Oh, Park Avenue showed up too. And Connor Shaw want to thank those guys, uh, as well, as well as all the baseball players that came yeah. and for those that haven't seen it. Roman Kimball has a video up highlighting the day, um, which is really, really good. And, and, and John Whittle want to thank him because he helped on that. It just, uh, so much help and such a great day. Weather was good about the game. That was yeah. uh, very, very disappointing. But some of us, uh, we're okay enough after the game to to take a nice scooter ride. <laughs> yeah. um, some of us left the game out of frustration. Uh, a story on deck to tell for that. Yeah, but no, yeah. it's not. Nah, but it's uh, we had a uh, we had a good um, a good time, and uh, that's what it's all about. So everybody has a good feeling about it. A good feeling about Carolina Rise. Certainly, if you're not a member, please join. All that, yada, 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 yada. Joel asked if we raised any money. We we had some people donate. You know, that wasn't a fundraiser, Joel. It was for uh, as a give back because when you're a member, you don't get anything but a magnet, really, and the satisfaction you, you help players. So that's our, you know, once or twice a year we give back. And uh, I, I can tell you it didn't take any money away from players to put that on. So, uh, if, if you're wondering right. about that. So anyway, uh, it was good, uh, a good deal for us and, uh, and all that stuff, but we got football to talk about uh, this game. This weekend's big, uh, you know, six ranked FCS team in the country. Furman has a history of pulling upsets. They are back as a program. Thanks to Clay Hendricks, which is a tremendous hire. He's a paladin from way back was at air force for a while. Certainly has um, uh, those guys playing really good football. And uh, it's going to be a challenge for South Carolina. Uh, this weekend to kind of, you know, avoid the yips a little bit, get fired up. Gamecock fans need to be there. It's not going to be something that uh, you can just waltz in and and win. It's not like the get-right games last year. This is a significantly better football team, I think, than both Charlotte and SC State last season. So uh, lots to talk about. Looking forward to talking to Pat DeMarco and just great in general to be back on the show. Uh, I Season openers, Carolina normally wins them. So normally I don't feel bad about taking Labor Day off and maybe taking another day. I felt bad this time because uh, you guys probably needed to hear from me. And I, I did put my game thoughts up on Big Spur, but uh, uh, certainly apologize for that. Had I known the outcome, certainly wouldn't have gone tubing in Helen, Georgia on Monday. But uh, it is what it is. And uh, glad to be back here uh, at Studio North for the rest of the week and then Studio South for three straight weeks for me. So good to be here. Yeah, you know. Uh, Phil, as you know, JC pointed out, you know, usually South Carolina, I, I think the stat that I rolled out on Friday was since the turn of the century, they're 20 and three in opening games. And 
and obviously now that that would be twenty and four uh, with that loss to the Tar Heels. And um, but you know, I think someone just said in the in the chat box here, and Craig just did. It's over. You know, you got to get over it now, and and you've got a this is a difficult month coming up. I mean, you, if you're not careful, you could look up in, in when you're entering October and really feel bad about yourselves a lot worse than you do here at zero and one after falling to the Tar Heels. But, you know, look, I've done nothing but kind of talk on the phone outside of working my rear end off for the last 48 hours uh, with a lot of stuff that's coming down the pike with, uh, with, with chief and um, everybody I've talked to just trying to kind of figure it out. Hey, look, what did we see here? What did you see? I want to make sure that I understand, you know, what, what, what I thought I saw and does this make sense and does that make sense? And, you know, everybody that I've talked to uh, who who has a pulse, who who gets it, and one of those guys is coming up here in just a little while. By the way, Pat and I haven't talked a ton. We talked a little bit. They, they don't – what we saw Saturday night is inexcusable, and they all agree that was pretty poor in a lot of areas. But also what we saw Saturday night – probably isn't as bad as we all think it is. And there there are some answers to some questions that, that we've all got. And, you know, we'll see if those if those things get answered or not. But, but, but there is there are enough answers on the football team. Now, I'm not saying, again, you know, that shouldn't, like, excuse anything that happened, in particular, guys, on both lines of scrimmage. That's, that's the hurt in all of this. That's the hurt. Um, but, but they're, they feel like they've got some answers and we'll just see if they can get it cleaned up. They still have 11 games to play and Bill, they certainly can have a heck of a season. Well, here, here's yeah. the thing too. Go ahead, Phil. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I mean, uh, with the schedule, the way it's set up, you as a team, you've got to flush what happens, whatever on Saturday, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, you're on to Furman. And then you can't let what happened the previous Saturday beat you heading into the week. Yep. Uh, th- there are things that can get cleaned up from what we saw on the field Saturday that, if done, will give you the success that you need. But you just can't let North Carolina beat you when you're on the field against Furman. And I, th- I think another thing, this team needs to – they didn't do it against North Carolina. This team needs to be clutch. Uh, last year's team, uh, in, in the games they were successful, they were clutch. You know, uh, yeah. Kentucky needed a big play. Juice got it. You know, A&M's marching back. Marshawn Lloyd took over. Uh, for, uh, Tennessee, you answered them every single time. And then some Clemson, you're down early. You come back. You just keep playing and fighting and come through in key moments. South Carolina did not do that. You kicking on – or so you have – the first time was you're up 14-10. You hadn't played very well, but you're still in the lead. You're like you're going to the locker room with the lead, and you give up a long pass for a touchdown, and then you don't do anything with it. Onside's kick happens to start the second half, beautifully executed. Um, you know, and then uh, some questionable play call in there on that first drive. I probably wouldn't have run the ball as much as, as they tried to do in that situation because it's quick change and you want to strike. Uh, but Amarion Brown drops a wide open pass. He'd probably still been running. Yeah, that would have could have been it with his speed. He had the angle. It could have could have been a touchdown. All right, the whole after the thirty one fourteen, South Carolina's defense wakes up. 
you know, they start getting stops and turnovers and kind of playing like their normal selves. And you're inside the 22 three times you come away with three points. This team, you have to take advantage of those moments. I mean, if they do, we're probably all sitting here going, hey, North Carolina got nine sacks or eight sacks or whatever it was, but Carolina won the football game or at least went to overtime and came back and showed signs of life. Um, that's got to get fixed. And when you can't run the football, red zone offense gets significantly harder because the field shrinks. You don't have as much room to operate. That's why teams uh, that run uh, air raid, and I'll give you, there's a big example of that Monday night. Yeah. Uh, that's why, team, despite their being much better at running back in offensive line than Carolina, uh, you saw what happened. You know, that's yeah. why teams like that struggle that don't come in. So, so you have to find a way to get it done in clutch moments. And that that's that's the thing I take away generally from this game. The blocking obviously needs to get better. Uh, there's some discussion about whether the D-line played well or not. I did not think they did because you get no one tackle for loss and no sacks, and, and you really probably should have taken some more chances to get after Drake. He's hard to get down. But uh, – you know they they should have won. they did not win enough as Shane said one on one battles. So to your to your point, JC, I, you, I know you you missed it yesterday, but Boogie Huntley, Tonka Hemingway, and Jordan Strawn had a combined four tackles, and all of those were assisted. None of them were solo tackles. Those are your three guys up front. They've got to be better than that. Oh yeah, there's no question. And if you have to play Nick Barrett and Elijah Davis more in your uh, Travian Robertson and Sterling Lucas, I think you do it. I mean, you know, slide Tonka out the end and if you want to. I mean, I think he could play out there and uh, put Nick Barrett. Nick Barrett played pretty well, I thought. I mean, he's he's bigger yep. than everybody else, right? Yep. Uh, and a North Carolinian. Um, so so you got to you got to get there. Um, and you you've got to you got to score, as Craig points out in the chat box. You have to score and you have to come through in clutch moments. And Shane talked about uh, there was one play down there. Uh, you could have literally – I could have thrown the ball. I could have – he said they could have punted the ball to two guys. Um, and uh, I could have thrown the ball down there, gotten a touchdown. Guys were wide open. Uh, you know, uh, Dowell – people are going to talk about Dowell Loggins this, Dowell Loggins. I thought Dowell – his play calling actually kept Carolina in the game the first half, just to be honest. I mean, like that little pass back to the other end of the other side of the field to Juju, he's wide open. Um, I thought the the deep slant to Trey Knox was a great call. I, I thought he was calling it well. You know, second half maybe maybe you kind of there's probably a lot of second guessing uh, on the on the part of the staff in the second half because you know especially down there in the red zone you, you got to be able to dial something up that works. But look, it's over. It's done with. Uh, like I said, there's some you know my feedback from it was a lot of sadness on Saturday night. And uh, and then Sunday, the sun came up and kind of got a couple texts. Hey, it wasn't the end of the world. Uh, you know, the team did have no turnovers. That's rare for the Beamer era. Um, That's a big deal, you know. And and you just got you just got to go back and get after it. And like like Phil said, you can't let you can't let the, this game linger because Furman's coming to town to whip your ass. All right, uh, just to be honest, they they're not scared of you. They're not intimidated by you. There's a lot of older players on that team. You know, they went into Clemson last year and battled. Uh, they're going to come battle you. They're going to want to win the game. They, they are a proud program historically. Some of you younger folks may not remember how great Furman was once upon a time. Oh, by the way, led by, uh, I think, three South Carolina grads in Art Baker, D- Dick Sheridan, and Jimmy Satterfield that never never got this job. But uh, they were a powerhouse. 
Under Bobby Johnson, they were a powerhouse. Um, Billy Napier was the la- as quarterback was the last time they were this good, and they were a national championship contender. So you got to watch them. You know they're, they're like I said, they're well coached and, and very good. And South Carolina is going to have to show up and play play well and play better and win more one on one battles. Come through in clutch moments on Saturday night in front of what should still be a great crowd at Williams Price. Oh, I, yeah. There's oh, yeah. look. This is the first home game of the year. You know, you 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 don't wait from last year in November until this year and then decide you're not going to show up because of four quarters. That's that's insane. But uh, you know, I, I've watched, I've rewatched this game one and a half times. I'm going to get through it again, uh, probably a little bit later on this evening after the kids go down to bed, and we watch the all new Little Mermaid that just came out on Disney Plus. Um, and uh, what 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 I've noticed is uh, Trey Knox had a tough night. You know, he had a tough night, guys, and and he played the majority of the snaps at at tight end, and there were quite a few plays that were called uh, in crucial moments where he he just flat out whiffed. And, you know, and you hate to call kids out, but, you know, these they're really not kids anymore. You know, they're college athletes who, you know, they get paid to play football now, right? So, you know, Trey, I'm sure, has watched the tape plenty since Saturday, and he knows that he's got to be better. And, and you're talking about – guys, you're talking about totally whiffing to carry on Joyner getting hit in the backfield or Spencer Rattler kind of dancing and running for his life and going from what would be third and short or second and four, four or five to second and 12, third and nine, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. So, you know, there are little things there where if you can get that stuff right, you're talking about sustaining drives and then who knows what happens, right? So, you know, uh, again, inexcusable what happened the other night, but certainly that they can be better, and there's some day one stuff that they can fix. And we got, I've got confidence that they will. Their track record proves that they've been able to do that in the last couple of seasons under Coach Beamer. Yeah, you got to fix that. You know, and I think a lot of it is maybe on the position coach or OC. I mean, you know, if Trey's whiffing, put Josh in. You know, Josh didn't. You know, probably should have played the second, more till the second probably half. Should. You know, or Nick Elks. I mean, certainly. You know, if you if you've got plays designed where your tight ends have to block, you know, maybe try to figure out who you're best. Maybe Trey was the best blocker because I've 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 heard he was really good at blocking, like probably better than Jaheim. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that that's uh, the deal there. Uh, Cam mentioned uh, the, the chat box. Yeah, I, I want to I'll point yeah. this out real quick, Jamie. Go ahead. Yeah, In the go chat ahead. box, like the line looks confused and like they don't know what to do yet again. It wasn't confusion, brother. It, no, la- yeah, that was that was last year when they played tentative. They just got their butts whipped. Yeah, they got whipped. And that, that's a hard reality, but they got whipped. They got whipped. And when Chiswick, and credit Chiswick for masterful game plan he knew when to send send his linebackers they had no answer you know and that's that's just nutting up and making a you know making a block getting after it you know don't get beat in a one-on-one situations and uh so it wasn't um it was one of those things you know Uh, I, i think both lines of scrimmage the big fellas all have a lot of soul searching to do uh starting this weekend and you know, moving forward. And, you know, hey, injuries are part of the game. Uh, I said on the big spur, uh, I know the depth chart came out and everybody's like, oh, you, you don't know. Uh, the depth chart's in pencil, man. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Big Tree Babalade and Trevon Ball, uh, 
and Marquis when he gets back. Seems like Beamer wants to play Marquis. He keeps mentioning him. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if those guys end up, because those guys are most likely more talented, talented, not saying they're better players right now, but more talented uh, than the guys you got out there. So South Carolina may have to go for a, uh, a youth movement there, but uh, anyway, I'm gonna shut up and uh, let you guys uh, figure talk. No, no, it's yeah. Look, I, I there's there's a couple of things here. I uh, you know just speaking straight up football, and again, that's why we invite guys named Pat DeMarco and Perry Orthon and, and and Flint. They know more than every single one of us and all of you included combined. Um, but um, you, you know, I saw just a minute ago Quantrell said he'd like to see more 12 personnel. I think that's a really neat uh, observation because uh, that was mentioned to me on Monday, uh, you know, trying to get these two tight ends on the field a little bit more. And that doesn't always mean JC, as we well know that they're split on either side of the field or anything of, in, of that nature. Um, there's a lot that you can do with both of those guys. And, and I do think that that's probably something they're looking at and then trying to figure out how they can, can implement that maybe a little bit more. I, I know that that's in the repertoire as well. Um, yeah. We just don't know what was in the game plan last weekend, but I think that's a really neat observation there by Quantrell. And, and as I pointed out, um, that, that's been mentioned to me as well. Definitely, Quantrell. And, you know, and I'll, I'll say this about 12 personnel. That's that's good. I mean, if you could do I mean, they had to kind of go to something like that last year. If you remember that Tennessee game, I mean, they even moved Atkins to the backfield and just had him blocked. Uh, and then they ran him out on a nice little pattern against Clemson, confused the hell out of Clemson. But, uh, you know, it was yeah. – uh, who is that guy? Though no, That's my question. Who, who is the Nate Atkins? Uh, go find the t- – I don't care if it's a walk-on. I don't care if it's a walk-on linebacker. Like that kid they brought in from Alabama from Jamie Bradford's alma mater, Wando, Colin Bryant. Uh, he played tight end over at Bama, and he's a tough kid. Really, t- I saw him in the spring game. He'll knock you to next week. Balasaro from Chapman. Go find a guy. You know, go move a guy from the other side. Because, you know, I think we know that if you give Spencer time, he's going to complete passes if somebody oh. doesn't drop it. I mean, think about the drops last night or, or Saturday night, and then what his stats would be if, if they weren't. You know, well, I mean, think think about <laughs> yeah. You, you I mean, about that. and the, the, the two I'm thinking, oh, Juice oh, dropped one on the first series and yeah. injured injured or not, there was nothing but green in front of him. That was a, it was kind of a cattywampus play. But if yeah. Juice comes down with that, gets his balance, he's gone. Well, you're, you're you've you've got those two. You've got nine sacks, and you've got about seven or eight more QB hurries that went in the stat book as QB hurries. Uh, some of them don't, of course, uh, but depending on how the play works out. But so you're talking, of, and realistically, almost about 20 different plays uh, where he was, you know, really attempting to throw the football or wanted to throw the football and couldn't. That's a lot. You know, that means he would have thrown thrown it a lot. Probably realistically would not have, of course, uh, by moving it, you know, but he would have probably ended up throwing it somewhere around 45 times or something like that in the game. Just think if you would have had that opportunity, he would have thrown for 500 yards, J.C., and I can almost bet my bottom dollar that South Carolina would have won the game. I, I think one of the questions, too, and I know we got to get to break, Phil, but I think one of the questions, too, is I, I, I did like, for the large majority, what Dowell did the other night. Mm-hmm. I thought they should have probably gone to quick game of maybe maybe a little bit early, but what do I know? Um, a little bit earlier than they did late in the game. Um, with all that said, though, I, I think one of the questions is, you are you or are you not what you are? 
and you're sitting here going, wait, what, what, now what the hell does that mean? You, well, you just might be a football team that just throws it seven out of ten times. That just might be who you are. You know, that just might be who you are. You know, you know and, and, yeah, you want to run it. We all want to see the running game working and this, that, and the other, but you can't waste plays either, and we all know that. You know, so – so if you just can't flat out run the football, JC, then there might be a time in the future, if it's not already there, I have no idea, where Shane Beamer and his staff huddle up in a classroom somewhere and say, you know what, we have to throw the football to win games and we got to throw it a lot. So we got to figure out what the best offense for us to be is by doing that. And I think that's just like when Jerry Glanville, one of my childhood heroes, coached the Falcons and and the Oilers back in the day, and June Jones was his OC. Yeah, he's like, "Wow, we just run it for pride," <laughs> you know. <laughs> that that little back about the size of Juju McDowell named Eric Pegram. And, and look, the Falcons went to the playoffs that year, you know? right? And be, and beat New Orleans in the first round. Ended up getting destroyed by the Redskins, uh, one of those good Redskins teams, Phil. But uh, it was um, remember that some teams have to do that. I mean, Texas Tech. I mean, you know. Uh, and if you're in that situation, you have to do it. I'll, I'll say this: one one good play uh, to carry on touchdown run. There was a hole wide enough to drive a truck through. Yeah, he wasn't even. Yeah, there touched. was all the blocking you needed there. And that's you the know? one thing I don't understand about getting onto logging so early. It was like now we've got a one game sample size. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and and your quarterback was on his butt more than he was on his feet. And you know what he—he's doing everything he can to continue to move that train and give you an opportunity in the fourth quarter with the offense. Yeah, to do I mean, something they just couldn't convert, and you know, hey, how's he going to adjust? Everybody's got to adjust. So yeah, I expect there to be some tweaks on that end. I mean, Dowell Loggins is no fool. Back in the he's early early Spurrier era, man, the O line was bad every year to yeah. begin with, and. Boy, they they didn't do much better with the legend calling the place, right? And yeah, he, he'd I mean, get all you know, frustrated yeah. with Blake Mitchell and bench him eventually. I mean, you know, it was uh, – I remember they got shut out by Georgia at home in 06, and it ended up being – they were better than Georgia at the end of the year. So, things do get better. Um, O-line is one of those things that sometimes it takes a while to gel. Uh, I, I don't – I think it's one of those things where you can't get any worse, so – Let's see. It's got to get better, though, now and then in two weeks, definitely, or, or there's no shot. 11-28. It is September the 6th. Hump day is what they call it. And we are marching towards week two of college football and for South Carolina. More on that. We'll get J.C.'s reaction. Duke taking down the Clemson Tigers on Monday night. I'm sure that made a lot of us and a lot of you feel a little bit better although it didn't change the record of the Gamecocks. Agree or disagree, Pat DeMarco are all ahead here on our program. Hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks, the show, dressed by Britons of Columbia. We'll be right back. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. 
Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Coach O here, and when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast. The char level, we use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. probably noticed that I've got the headset on today. That is because I snapped off the bottom of my microphone arm yesterday. How? Were you? Well, what sporting event happened yesterday? I was, look, you know, as you well know, we're, we're working on some things for the future. And so I've been working with some new stuff, software and equipment and all kinds of things. And, uh, I was toying around with that in the vault, and I had uh, just all kinds of different things up here that I was kind of trying to figure out, am I going to use two computers or one, basically? So I'm moving things around, and I grabbed it, and I'm just holding it, and I was like, well, that can't, it must have come out. Oh, no, 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 it was just broke clean off. So, yeah, uh, yeah we, we've got an order, a new one, but I don't know. I kind of like wearing the headset anyways, man. It makes me feel like I'm on remote and. Might just keep it this way. Kind of like some of the taps on the kegs on Saturday. Yeah, I yeah. You, remember those kept breaking a little bit. They yeah, those little plastic things were. Yeah, they weren't high quality. You know. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I thought what was interesting about that was um, was so many of us kept getting asked to tap all these kegs, and 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 I, every one of us, I think, JC, with the exception of your brother. Everybody else had the same, literally the same exact response. 
I mean, I hadn't done that since college. I don't want to be the one to do it. <laughs> yeah, Cam, you know? Cam jumped in there and got it done. And um, gosh, who else? I should have asked Jan Bennett. He was over there with his crew. Uh, Jan probably knows how to tap a keg still, right? I, well, I would. <clears> have. I thought. I thought. I thought Jan was asked. Maybe. Maybe he wasn't asked. Maybe we. Uh, maybe we screwed up by not asking him. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm gonna say this too. I, I know everybody's frustrated about quarter like oh you got a quarterback you got Doty playing receiver number one I thought Doty looked really good at receiver probably better better than he has a quarterback in a game uh when and of course he hadn't been healthy so I, I don't want to say that's that's his position or whatever but uh I thought he looked really good you know tough made the tough catch wasn't scared has enough speed good hands uh, as far as the carry on goes, is he a step slow in the hole? Is it just blocking? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I will say, uh, and I guess Chris Marler from Saturday Down South just went off about that on the Spurs Up show. And uh, and I get the point. He went off about what? About quarterbacks playing. You have three quarterbacks playing different positions. And, and, and look, yeah. you know who else is a former quarterback? Xavier Leggett. You know, I, I just – I don't think that's a, that's a problem, uh, playing quarterbacks at certain positions. Uh, do I think running back and, and that room and the shape the room's in is inexcusable? Yes. And do I think it's inexcusable that you've got a talented freshman in, in Braswell and you got a transfer in Anderson that are coming up a level but have proven that they can go do it and they don't get a carry? You know, where's the development there? You know, I mean, I, you don't have to do much to develop running backs. Uh, Des Kitchens is probably about the best one they had at that. And uh, Bobby Bentley did a great good job of getting A.J. Turner and Bond Denson significantly better. But you know you need these guys. Yeah, I, look, look the, 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 the running back in the room – and I know that people don't want to hear this because of his size, but the one who's most prepared, the most natural, most capable back they have is Juju. And 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 I'm not going to say that it's really not close because we haven't seen Mario get a game snap, and we haven't seen DJ Braswell get a snap in the game either. But but when you watch the those two the other night, and I and by the way, I'm I'm a big believer in as the year goes on. I mean, we've said this. Look. Carry on Joyner, it's probably going to take him some time to get things figured out. I thought he'd get a little bit more than what he had the other night, of course. Um, you know, I think he, there, there were some things that to diagnose and break down there. He certainly missed some holes in this, that, and the other. Juju McDowell is, is an actual running back, and he has played three years of college football. So he's the most prepared. You know, the problem is he's, he's five foot eight and he's 180 pounds. And, you know, he's not going to be able to get. JC, you know, 15, 20 carries every yeah. game, I don't think. And and so I'm with you. Look, there was a time and day around here. Again, this, here's another example we've used a bunch of, right? Brandon Wilds. Nobody knew who he was. He was this kid from Blythewood who was the fifth string running back. You know, just not whatever, just, just kind of there. And then, bam, injury, bam, injury, bam, injury, bam. Oh wait, well wait, we gotta play this wild kid. We don't have a running back. Well, kid ended up playing in the NFL. 
So, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not saying every situation is similar or the same, but we, we just don't know about these other guys until they play. And, and obviously, Coach Loggins and that offensive staff weren't comfortable playing them the other night. I find that interesting. But maybe we'll see them this week, and maybe they can crack the code and, yeah. and earn some too. I mean, that's that's, that, that, that's the key there. I mean, if uh, you know if you can't get them ready and you're not – all right, so – and I'm not, I don't want to turn this into hate the running backs coach, but oh, look, I'm not, results I'm not. are results, right? Yeah. If you if if all your players leave early as soon as they possibly can, and then you lose guys at the portal, that's a because everybody's left and they've gotten the hell out of dodge from that room as soon as they possibly could. Plus, Lloyd transfers. Plus, Rashad Amos transfers. You know, hey, do you think he'd be the starter if he stayed? I think he would. Definitely. I mean, there's yeah. no question. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, I agree. Uh, I don't know what he did. For Miami against Miami this past weekend, Miami of Ohio, that's where he went. But uh, yeah, I meant to look at that. I'm yeah, that. I'm gonna check that out. But uh, you know, I mean, so 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 with Amos, it's either a naturally talent thing, or you know, or or you didn't coach him up. You know, so Quandre White left. We there's reasons for that. Kevin Harris got out of Dodge as quickly as possible. Marshawn Lloyd left and got in the portal. Eight for thirty. Um, he carries thirty yards. I guess the Hurricanes not bad. Almost four, four something to carry. He, he, I mean, he's a start. He's the starter. So, um, like, look, I mean that that that's the deal there. I mean, you know, if you can't coach up Mario Anderson and DJ Braswell to at least be serviceable, I mean, a freshman at running back is not uncommon. No, it's, it's very it's common, not uncommon. Actually. It's very, it's very uh, common. Uh, all right, so so is Brazel, or is he, or is he a guy that that would need some time? I, mean, I don't know. You know, there, there's a lot of questions there, and um, you know, and and of course we we've it's long a long string of recruiting misses there too. So, uh, I like I said, not coming down on one coach over one game, but there are issues in that room, uh, you know, and and, and I think I think it, like. You know, you, you look on the other side of it, you can say, well, J.C., what, what about the coaching on the offensive line? Yeah, I don't know that that was coaching as much as just getting beat. And uh, I, if there's a coaching uh, criticism I would have, it would be, you know, maybe – and you had to when Case and Henry got hurt. You know, you got these injuries, you're starting to shuffle and piece things together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you need a you – know, you need, you need a – Solid five that you can go to battle with the gels. Okay, you hear that word gel a lot. Um, you know, if there's a, I, but then you look at who's coming in, and there are people that are like, yeah, they wanted to fire Lonnie Teasley on Saturday. But that would be the dumbest <laughs> thing you could possibly do. You know, and I, I don't care if Lonnie Teasley can't coach his way out of a paper bag as far as uh, offensive line goes. I think he's proven he can because he got that group a lot better last year, and the proof is in the pudding. Uh, I don't. Th- I think. I think they had a bad game. I don't think it has anything to do with how, how he could coach. But I, I could. I mean, you know, you get him an analyst that you know. You got Greg Atkins sitting there helping him. Get him another one. You know, if you have to do it that way, uh, you don't get rid of Lonnie Teasley under any circumstances because the only chance this program's had to be elite on the offensive line is of the next two or three years. It's hard to see that now, but what's there right now in the younger classes, and then more importantly, what's coming, South Carolina's never recruited like this from a raw talent standpoint on the offensive line. 
I mean, it's really, really good. No, and I, the, I, guy, I, the guy that's put it together is Lonnie Teasley. So, so the hardest yeah. criticism wouldn't even be there if he had three five stars lined up, right? You know, ah, yeah. Better days are coming, right? Right. You know, so that's right. the thing there. But uh, yeah, hey, right? I, I tell you what, I, I was. I was standing next to Cam Pringle Saturday night at the game. <laughs> I have never in my life felt as small as I did in that moment when I looked next to, <laughs> looked over and real. He's bigger. I've seen him in person before. Never, never stood right next to him. I cannot believe how big he is. And I mean, I, I don't even know what else to say. And and it's look, there's more to it being an offensive lineman, but clearly he has those skills or he wouldn't be where he is. Uh, but I, I've never seen anything. We've never at South Carolina ever, never had an offensive line that will be here that looks like that young man. Never. Yeah, no, I, never. I, I, I think wow. the evaluators totally, especially twenty four seven, nitpick the crap out of him. Oh, uh, I don't know what they're. I don't know. What I don't they're know doing. what they're looking. I have no clue. This kid. Yeah. Needs to lose some weight, and then I look at him on, oh. on a picture on the field. He looks like a refrigerator. He's, like guys that need to lose weight look like gigantic pears or or squashes. Yeah. <laughs> not not refrigerators. Thing. He's the biggest thing I, I've ne- I've never seen anything that big. I mean, he's the biggest guy I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. So and for everybody out there who you know monitors you know all the socials for every prospect there could possibly be to say that Teasley is is the wrong guy, you know, you need to pay more close attention because all these guys that are committed, even when it was Adkins at the helm, tag Teasley. Everyone, they all love him. You want to blow up a recruit recruiting class? Get rid of Lonnie yeah. Teasley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's why. That's why. Uh, that's why the coaches at schools all across the country don't put fan bases in charge of making decisions. Yeah. Hey, um, uh, there's some school in the Northwest. They're awful, awfully fired up about their offensive coordinator hire, right? In the Northwest. Oh, the Northwest part of the state. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they are. And when we come yeah. back from break here, I'll read you the quote that one of their players just submitted to the world today. Probably not going to be shocking to many of you. But Clemson apparently didn't lose to Duke this past weekend. We are powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston, electricbikescharleston.com. If you want to be as strong as Cam Pringle one day, I don't actually know. I don't know what you need to do to be as strong as Cam Pringle. But if you'd like to just get yourself in shape, you'll want to head to electricbikescharleston.com or Charleston Fitness Equipment, like I did, and get yourself a hydro rower. I've never been so happy working out. I'll tell you the reason for that is because I haven't worked out since 2007. It's 2023. 16 years later, we've turned over a new leaf around here because Michelle Wilkins finally gave me a piece of equipment that I don't hate, and it is fantastic. It's like the Peloton of rowing. Find them at charlestonfitnessequipment.com, part of Electric Bikes of Charleston, electricbikescharleston.com. JC, we'll get your reaction to the Tigers' loss and Ryan McGee's tweet, which was something, right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce of any goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, 
are crafted by Southern hands and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barn Doe Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Hey everybody, this is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Guys, ask uh, which quarterback they'd rather have calling the taking snaps for him: Spencer Rattler or Cade Klubnik. I bet you they would trade in a hurry. Spencer Rattler looks really, really good. We'll play a game we played on Wednesdays called "Agree or Disagree." Coming up in uh, hour number two, Pat DeMarco that will lead us off in hour number two. I, I, I the, the Tigers game the other night, JC. Uh, was very satisfying for every Gamecock fan, of course. Um, 
did it made him feel a little bit better. Didn't take away what happened in Charlotte. Of course, uh, I, I I think one of the funniest moments of the night was Dave Pash, who's great. <clears throat> this is not indicative of Dave Pash in any way, shape, or form. But just you know, casually telling the story about how Dabo Sweeney told him that the his his kicker. Well, coach, what's his uh you know what's his range? It's unlimited. Well, what do you mean it's unlimited? Well, he he just kicked one seventy yards, and then he promptly about a minute later missed a twenty three yard chip shot that went about 10 yards to the left of the goalpost. Later in the broadcast, he was like, and Dabo, you know, who's a stickler about special teams, and I just, that I, I openly laughed at the television yeah. at that point. <laughs> yeah. like, wow. yeah. All right, I hear you. Well, so th- there's got to be a problem <laughs> going on up there, though, guys, because, you know, you know, Dabo, Dabo's already said this week, hey, hey, look, you know, you know, it was a tough day. Let's take ownership. That's what champions do. So, so they're champions, and they're going to take ownership of everything. And then you, you, you had, you know, their center Will Putnam, who, you know, says, "Hey, look, outside of going fifteen and zero, you know, everything's still on the table, right?" And uh, but you got to credit Duke because they beat us fair and square. Oh, okay, well, all right there. So Will Putnam speaking the truth. Can't say I disagree with him. But then you got defensive tackle Rook Orohoro, who said, you know, you know, sometimes these losses, they open your eyes a little bit. But, you know, let's all be honest. Clemson got beat by Clemson. Well, now, wait a second. Who the hell was wearing the blue jerseys? Uh, look, I, 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 the team thinks that Duke beat them. The other half team thinks that Clemson beat them. What's going well, it on? Wasn't the fifty-four and five-star recruits that Clemson brought up there with them and lost with? <laughs> Look, I mean, here's the thing. All right, so I want to—I got a couple of thoughts on this game. Number one. <laughs> Look, I, the sixty-eight yard comment certainly unlimited. Get that. What's well, unlimited? Well, no, every uh, every kicker has a limit, Coach. Yeah, you know, you know, they, they, they can't get thousand yards. You know, you look at the box score too. I mean, Clemson sort of. I mean, they ran a ton of plays. I mean, you know, forty-three pass attempts. Uh, you know, between Shipley Maffa and Klubnik, they had forty. Rushing attempts, they were balanced. Uh, 422 total yards. Uh, it was just the, you know, the, the, that offense sometimes, unfortunately, it does bog down in the red zone. And they they, they just couldn't make it happen. Uh, Tom Luganbill was uh, who is a good yeah. friend of mine who's been on with J- J- uh, Morgan and I. He's a blast on times. Man. Yeah, he, he really mentioned uh, when he was calling the game the other night, like, this Duke defense is fast, and they are. They that that's the difference between Duke now and maybe Duke under Cutcliffe, where Duke under Cutcliffe could win games. They could kind of scheme them up offensively or whatever, especially against ACC teams that weren't playing up to their potential. But they would get in a game against the Florida State or somebody like that and just get destroyed because they just did not have the speed to keep up with them. Mm-hmm. This is a different Duke team. I mean, this is a, and a, you got to credit Cutcliffe and his staff toward the end with getting some guys that can develop. But I also think you really have to credit Mike Elko. I mean, when's everybody going to start talking about hiring Mike Elko? Yeah, he's so right. this week. Yeah. Dude, I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. I mean, this guy uh, – all right, so I remember him at Wake Forest because Wake Forest one year 
He was the DC under Clawson. That was the year they lost to Virginia Tech six to three in overtime when it was nothing, nothing after four quarters. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I noticed Wake's defense. I'm like, well, you kind of know Wake is an offensive football team. This defense is pretty good. Well, then he goes to Notre Dame. Oh, that defense is really good. Oh, well, then he goes to AM. That defense is dominant. Uh, and then he gets the Duke job. And you kind of have low expectations because the, the, the winningest coach of all time at Duke, wins wise, left. Mm-hmm. And, and they go down in four. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they open this year and they beat Clemson, uh, you know, badly uh, in front of a national television audience. I mean, th- this guy can coach uh, yeah. and, and he wins. He, he just wins. Like, you know, that they didn't, it wasn't a beautiful artistic performance, but, you know, he, he looks around and says, what do, we, what do we have? We got a good dual threat quarterback. We got fast backs. We got receivers that can make plays. And we have a very fast defense that if we call this defense right, uh, you know, it's going to bend a lot, but it ain't going to break. And uh, and that's what happened. And, you know, Clemson, they just got beat, man. Just like South Carolina got beat, they got beat. And, and if you'd have told me that the two South Carolina teams, the two uh, Power Five teams, were going to lose to Tobacco Road <laughs> by two and three touchdowns, <laughs> I would have laughed my fanny off, man. I'd have been, ah, no way, man, because – that just doesn't happen, you know, but those two rivals beat these two rivals relatively bad. And, uh, you know, I don't even know what you do. I mean, could you get, uh, we'll give Shipley the ball more. Well, hell, he touched 17 rushes and six. I mean, Moffa had a good yards. I mean, I don't, I don't know what you do. The good news is they have Charleston Southern coming in this week. Yeah. So they're going to get, they're going to get healed. But I'll tell you this right now. Week three before Florida State, they got Tom Herman and the Florida Atlantic Owls coming to Death Valley. Just like this Furman game for South Carolina this weekend. Don't knock it. Don't knock Tom Herman. He's he's Tom Herman's where he likes to be. The underdog. Yeah. Under the, the underdog. So. Yeah. Yeah. No expectations. Nobody talking yeah. to him. Yeah, it was a mm-hmm. I mean, clearly look, the the two fumbles certainly hurt them, but Duke was better on Saturday and they deserve credit and uh, they got it. Clemson hanging on by a thread, by the way, in the top twenty five at number twenty five, but that could be short lived. You mentioned CSU and they've got Florida Atlantic following. Then they got the Knowles coming to town. Uh, if Clemson opens the season two and two, you'd venture guess that uh, the top 25 probably would be gone for the first time in a long time. Uh, in yeah. the, uh, the they have too many good players to be terrible. You know, Clemson's not going to go to five and seven or I, something like can, that. Can I raise my hand on something real quick? I, I think this whole offensive, uh, this, 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 this era of offense that has been headlined by these. Um, short, quick out route scheme, blocking scheme style of, of passing plays. Because I don't want to call it a specific offense because they all kind of feed off of each other a little bit and evolve into this guy's offense and this guy's offense. I, I think I think that you're starting to see the end of it. I really do. Defenses, JC, you've been around football your whole life. They always figure it out, and then offenses change again. Right? There's always a new fad. There's always a new trend. And, and then offenses change again. And, and guess what? So you start getting faster on offense. And then what do you do on defense? You get faster on defense and you got to cover more space than this and the other. A lot of that ends up being um, 
you know, at the expense of being big, strong, physical downhill where you can stop the run. Offenses start changing. They go back to running the football down down your throats. You don't have the personnel to be able to handle that. It becomes more of a trend again. And then it, it always changes. It always shifts. I think a lot of this gimmicky crap, I think I think it's it's beginning to go away. And you're going to start seeing a little bit more of the traditional style of offense where you run the football and throw the ball downfield start coming back just because it's kind of been a little bit of a lost art. Take, keep an eye on Alabama this year and what Tommy Reese does out there. Go by look at the Gator Bowl last year. Go look at Georgia last year where, yes, it's very creative. It's a very creative system, but it's it's more – it's less spread. It's more confined. You're, you're not relying on guys – solely to get out in space and make people miss. You're using your tight ends. Uh, that's a trend in the pros. And so that's kind of a trickle-down thing, yeah. um, you know, w- from the pros to there. So I, I think, uh, yeah, Clint says look at Notre Dame. By God, they had another solid – I know it was Tennessee State, but they had another <laughs> – Ohio State better figure it out. Or they're going down in South Bend. <laughs> the leprechauns are going to wax the floor with their behinds. Uh, and Notre, I mean, Notre Dame's played about as good as anybody in the country through two games. We have two games on them, but, um, you know, and that, and that just walked in and is giving me a bad look. She doesn't like for me to talk good about Notre Dame because she says it jinxes them. Oh, well, so, yeah. I mean, God, you, know, you, you just tell her, no, we've got, um, w- w- this is business. This is a professional this is a, sports this is, talk radio This is an A-B conversation. She needs to see her see? way back, back to wherever she was. <laughs> Go back to work, honey. Yeah, she's working from <laughs> right. home today. And don't you sl- forget sling that. It, Sorry sling, about that. Slinging insurance policies and taking names. Right. Right. That's, what I'm, that's what I'm talking so, about. But, yeah, right, Michael's, Michael, South Carolina's offense is a pro-style offense. It's uh it's more up tempo than a lot of them, but um, we'll see. I'm looking forward to seeing more. Like I said, I I think that the issue is not necessarily it's not with the scheme. That to me, the scheme was night and day better. It was like it just you watched Nebraska the other night, and you could you can tell uh, the rhythm of the play calling all that. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. I think that I think the issue is more personnel and pers- personnel decisions. Uh, and guys, if this continues, and I hope it doesn't. I pray it doesn't. And, and I don't, in my gut, don't think it will. And this is my last point. I think there could be a player development issue. Guys aren't getting better. Are you so, talking about South Carolina? South Carolina. Uh, you know, if we continue to see some of the thing, same things we've seen, you know, maybe there, there, there needs to be a little bit better development because guys that we expect to be better aren't quite getting there, you know, for one reason or another. I'm not ready to call that yet but uh i do think some guys some guys are on the clock so to speak some guys are on the clock yeah i, I look because there's there certainly are, are are guys who have developed at south yeah. carolina Xavier get is one of them you know wow oh yeah i mean look there's a lot of guys who've really developed here you know over the last few years and but and at certain so, spots i'm starting yes. to look at it and yeah. go hmm why isn't this guy and, and not, no, on the, hey, not on the O-line, individually on the O-line. I mean, you had so many new players. I mean, yeah, I can. certain okay. spots, I'm it's starting fair. to kind of go, hmm. It's fair. It's fair. Debo Williams has gotten better, too, by the way. Hey, the linebacking core has gotten better. The secondary always develops under Torian Gray. The wide receivers have developed. There's no question about that. Um, you know, the quarterbacks have – I mean, I think Spencer Rattler's gotten better. Yeah. And um, some, some of these older guys – I thought Vershawn Lee looked significantly better, but – yeah, you know, Jakai struggled a little bit. Some of those guys just may be as good as they, they'll be 
on the old line. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't <laughs> think we've seen a development issue there. Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on, and that conversation will include the defensive line as well as part of our agree or disagree conversation. We are teed up. Football season itself, believe it or not, is teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com. If you like to play golf, you need to play golf with TravelingCountryClub.com because you can play 45 different courses in the Carolinas. Who wouldn't want to do that? From the mountains to the seas, they got them. Myrtle Beach to Hilton Head to Columbia to... The Charlotte area, Waynesville, you name it, you can do it. The Upstate, TravelingCountryClub.com. Special thanks to their team for providing us with elite opportunities to play golf in North and South Carolina. We have an elite opportunity to listen to Pat DeMarco talking ball with the former NFL all-purpose Mike Allstott style everything. And Gamecock legend up next here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style. In seconds, they're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Talking Ball with Pat DeMarco on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Part of the Chief Sports Network.
12.05, Wednesday, September the 6th, headed towards week two of the college football season. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show, part of the Chief Sports Network. The Chief Sports Network is proudly presented by Dixie Vodka. For those that are fans of vodka, Dixie is my favorite. I've been drinking it for years, and you should too. There are, if you head to the Chief Sports app, you can find where to find Dixie Vodka, their website, and more. Also, some pretty neat drinks. And we've got a game coming up on Saturday. So maybe pour one and stir one in preparation for the Paladins and the Gamecocks under the lights at 730 Saturday night. Real quick, before I get Pat in here, I, I, I do, do want to mention this on behalf of the university. They just tweeted this out just a little while ago. I'm pretty sure that many of you have already made the changes, but uh, there there are no there are no changes currently between charter and Disney and uh, the uh, spectrum customers who can't watch. So, you know, if you're, if you're planning to watch the game, unless you've got a Disney plus account, can't do it coming up on Saturday night. Um, so if you switch to direct TV, sling, Hulu, YouTube TV, Fubo TV, all those, you'll be able to watch, South Carolina, if you're not going to be at Williams Price, which you should be, but if you're not going to be, those are ways to do it. I'll just give a quick plug for YouTube TV because I've had them for a year and we love them. So with all that said, though, we bring in our version of Mike Allstott, Pat DeMarco, joining us from Columbia. What's up, brother? That's a little bit of a stretch there, bud. I appreciate <laughs> well, it. Yeah. It is now because you've lost <laughs> all the weight, man. You know, you used to be buff. You know, it's... Yeah, back in the day when I used to do this and do that, no, that was uh... – that's always who I wanted to be growing up, um, but he only touched the ball about 40 more times a game than I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I look, you played in the NFL for, what, 11 years, right? Was it 11? 10, but I'll take 11. If you want to give me a free one, man, I'll take it. Yeah, let's just go with 11. Yeah, that's you, a cool you, number anyways. With some of your injuries and stuff, it would have been at least 11. So we'll, we'll settle yeah. on 11. And... It could have been. It could have been 20. I could have been on the uh, Tom Brady train. Well, you know, Tom Brady probably could still go play. I, I, I don't know how, but he could Not a doubt in my mind. He's, I mean, just his. Did you ever talk goal. to him playing against him? Did you ever talk to him? After games, a couple times, he would kind of give me a shout out. Hey, 42, I thought you played really well, man. I love your game. Um, I just kind of looked at him like, what? <laughs> yeah. What? You're talking to me? <laughs> um, Dude, <laughs> No, no, honestly, one of the cooler ones that I um, the kind of experienced after a game was um, Sean Payton. When I was in Atlanta, he would stop me every time after we played the Saints, and he would just basically, hey, man, the, we show our fullbacks, our tight ends, our running backs, we show them a lot of your tape, uh, how you pass protect, how you flow in the run game, how you fit blocks. Like, just letting you know, man, I'm – a huge fan of you, proud of you. And I was like, well, bro, I'm going to be a free agent here in about two years, so give me a holler. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sean, you, uh, Sean Payton is coaching Adkins now, right? Yes. Is, uh, he's yeah. in Denver, right? In Denver, and he made the 53, man. I mean, I knew it was going to take him being in a good fit system, guy that kind of runs the H-back, fullback, kind of hybrid type role that I played. I knew it was going to take something like that because he's not a six-five, four-six tight end. Uh, he's a good blocker, but he is undersized for that position. Um, but he is really good, man. When he sets his hands, 
um, how he has just knowledge of the game, being a coach's son. He just had a really good feel. Um, you know, I, I think that kid, if, if, if he's continually given the chance, he's going to have, I, I think, a pretty similar career to myself. I hope so. I saw his dad over the summer and um, not speaking as a dad, speaking of, as a football coach, he was he was pretty sure that Nate would, would break through, and he was right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've done nothing but rave about him. All right, Pat, uh, let's let's roll it back to Saturday night. Gamecocks fall 31-17. I've watched this game 1.5 times since then and just trying to make sure that I understood what I was seeing on, on Saturday. Um, so let, let's start with the offense for, for Carolina. Mm-hmm. We, we do have a, a couple of uh, video hits we'll, we'll bring up here in just a minute, but wanted to get your, your quick thoughts on uh, clearly they didn't run the football well the other night. Mm-hmm. But uh, your quick thoughts on, on what you saw out of Spencer Rattler um, and anything maybe as the football mind that you are that is noticeably different from from what we've seen the last uh, few years around here. Yeah, I mean, first game is always tough. You never know what you're going to get. It's your first time kind of playing a different opponent. You're amped up. You're, you're fidgety. Your nerves are going. Um, let's be real. It's a lot of, this is a lot of guys on the field's first time playing SEC football. Um, which is a big step up and a huge kind of eye-opener. Um, they'll get more familiar, and granted, they played ACC football, but still big-time Division One college football. Um, and not to mention, I mean, North Carolina looked really good, too. Let's not downplay that. That's a good football team we lost to. Uh, and, and as bad as we played at times, we, uh, we I was sitting there with two minutes to go, and I'm like, wow, man, if we score here and get an onside kick, this is this could get really interesting. Um but, I mean, I, I thought Spencer played really good. Um, granted, he got teed off on. Um, I mean, yeah. nine sacks, a bunch of pressures. But I thought he played at an elite level. Um, he's – I mean, him and other people are the reason why that was still a football game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunately, you can't ask one guy to carry the team. So, I mean, the run game has got to get going. Um, I mean, that that just – that can't happen. You have to be efficient on first and second down to set up easy third down conversions and stay on the field. You you look at the second drive. I mean, the first drive, we went – I think it was three and out, and we lost yards on two on two plays in a row. I think we lost yardage. But on the second drive, man, we came out slinging. Confidence, confidence, confidence. Spencer throwing the butt down the field, making big plays, converting on third medium. Um, leads to a score. So it's, it's kind of all about sparking it early, getting the chains going, getting the guys in the groove. Um, I mean, going three and out is brutal on, on everybody. Offense, defense, it's a buzzkill, um, all that good stuff. So I, I think there's a lot of room for improvement. I think um, I, I, I listened to Coach Beamer's press conference yesterday. There's an urgency to get better, um, and, and there needs to be. Um because I, I think we were all expecting a little better result than we got there. Um, but it's game one. It's a long season. Um, and, and, and as we all know, it's it's tough to win in college football in general. Um, so on to the next. We got Furman coming up here. Got to go out there and play well and, and show who the better football team is. Um, that's, you know, when you play these teams – that come in and, and, and you're circled on their schedules. Like we're playing a big SEC school. They're circled, man. Um, unlike the vice versa where you kind of, you can't look over a team like this. So a lot of room for improvement. We, we got to get better uh, and, and, and very fast because in two weeks we play the big George Bulldogs. Um, 
And I mean, any given Saturday, anybody can win, but um, it's going to be tough if we play the same way we played last week. Yeah. Before we get to a clip or two from from the game, too, I, I, you mentioned Spencer kind of running around out there. Um, and yeah, I think he had 16 QB hurries. We know he had nine sacks. How does it, you've been a part of enough games in your career, both at the collegiate level and at the NFL level? When a quarterback it, at any rate uh, feels uncomfortable snapping the football, um, how does that affect it? I mean, they're all a little bit different because we're talking about yeah. deep here, but kind of walk us through just a general sense of how that affects the quarterback and ultimately how it ends up affecting the offense. Yeah, I mean, it's a lonely feeling back there if you know every time you drop back and if you're taking more than three steps, you're going to get hit. Um, I mean, that's not fun. Um, in any regard, shoot, I'd sit there and if, if Weston, my son was playing 10, when he's 10 years old, he's playing football and he can't take more than three steps and get rid of a ball or any kid out there. You're like, I don't know if that's a good idea for this kid to just get smoked all the time. Um, but I mean, but, but he's a, he's a confident kid and he's a competitor. Um, I say kid, young man. I mean, he's, he's played a lot of football, so this isn't the first time he's been been hit and knocked down he's gotten back up and he's overcome so um i would imagine that you know he the, the past is in the past um you know he can't sit back he can't sit there and think about last week this week he can't sit there and think oh man i gotta watch the rush i gotta worry about tackle play guard play whatever whatever wherever the the falls were last week he can't think about that stuff anymore he's got to move on um and go out there and, and, and i think coach loggins is probably going to put a bigger emphasis on pass protection, get the ball out of your hands, um, you know, confidence plays, get ahead of the sticks, a lot of stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, I would imagine there's going to be, uh, I'm going to repeat Shane Beamer again, but a lot of urgency to get better from all aspects of it. Uh, run the ball, pass protect, get rid of the ball, quarter, the quarterback position, um, and just be efficient. I mean, Spencer through for 350. Like that's, yeah. you can't ask for too much more. Well, he, he might have thrown for a whole lot more uh, had a couple of balls been caught and, and he had not been running around. One of them that was caught is this one here uh, down the sideline early in the game, kind of a kind of a heave up to Xavier Leggett. And you talk about a kid who has really evolved as a wide receiver over the last few years. First of all, I've talked to you privately about Xavier Leggett. He's an outstanding person, an outstanding kid, Pat. Um, but he has learned to play – at this level, um, like some of the best do. And, you know, going up and high-pointing the football and, and ultimately, I guess we're – I don't know if we're having some trouble with that or not. But um, or, can no, you see I mean, that there? Yeah, it's not running. But, I mean, when it comes to David Leggett, he has all the tools. Like, he has the size, the speed, the physicality, um, the lateral quickness, the strength, the body control, like he has all that. It was just time for all of that stuff to come to fruition on the football field and really for, for him to get his number called. I think that was, that was more the big thing. And and you see his number gets called and he had what nine for one seventy. Like, yeah. That's a big day. Um, yep. And, yep. and you think like that's, that's without having, I mean, he was the primary this week, but that's without having the, all SEC preseason pick out there too. So, I mean, he was circled. I imagine the second half, they're like, Hey, find 17. If three's not on the field, find 17. Yep. Um, so, but I mean, I, 
I, I looked at some of these plays, so I can kind of talk about it um, if the video doesn't work. But I mean, on this play, it was it was first and ten. It was coming out, and, and um, you know, it was it ended up being I don't know if we can get the video going, but it was a seven man protection, so the tight end stayed in. Um, back was in protection too. You had two double teams, so the tight end and the right tackle were double team in the backside defensive end. Um, the left tackle and left guard were in a slide, so there was two for one there as well. So you got to think Max Pro. You had you had DK coming through the line of scrimmage, and I think he might have got a chip or or at least skimmed the guy that was um, that was rushing the center. Yeah, here it is. Um, so I mean, you got seven guys in protection, so uh, you got a lot of time. You 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 have a lot of confidence, and and X, you know, it's literally just a go ball. It's a fifty fifty ball, and Spencer knows that. I've done this with X a bunch. So let me give him a shot to go up and make a play. X tried to stack him. He couldn't quite stack him. Uh, they were about even with each other, but X got in a dominant position, um, went up there and high pointed the ball. I mean, that's like the epitome of right there being able to track wow. the football, getting in a dominant position, um, went that's up and perfect. made the play. Yeah, I mean, that is that is perfect. And then securing the ball to the catch, taking it all the way to the ground. You see every DB's in America is taught as the receivers coming to the ground or as he's bringing the ball in, just get your hand in there and do whatever the heck you can. Um, so it took two, took two hands and, and, and finished the catch and that's big time football. I mean, if he can go make those plays for us um, the rest of this year, man, I, I remember talking to NFL scouts last year that asked about some of the other guys and I'd be like, Hey man, there's, there's one of them that just looks a little different and runs a little different and just has a big time presence about him. And that's number 17. He's probably not on any of your radars because he hasn't played that much or had his opportunity. But uh, the world's awake now. Uh, and now scouts have him circled. So um, I'm really excited for that kid. Like you said, he's a great young man. He's He's been through some stuff in his life. And, um, you know, I, I think if we can keep feeding him the ball and getting juice back to open up more options, like that's it's going to be big. Yeah, those two guys out wide would, would be absolutely fantastic. And so right after that, that, this is early in the game. North Carolina already scored. Uh, Pat, you know, this was, I think, the second drive for South Carolina in the game here. And we'll try to get this one going where, you know, th- and I thought this was probably their best drive of the game, by the way. That first touchdown that was scored, I think it was eight plays, March. 75 yards yeah, or something like that. Um, they went, kind of went right downfield and, um, and kind of kind of slowing it down here so you can kind of see some of the blocking schemes and things like that. But Rattler there with a good pocket, he throws it across the middle. He's got Trey Knox down at the five-yard line. Yep. I mean, you have uh, – I believe they blitzed one there. Um, so we were in five-man pro. DK was free release. And that's kind of a – that's a two-man concept up here at the top. Looks like Trey Knox. It's third and seven, so you got to get past the sticks. So they ran Trey Knox. I think he's on a basic here, maybe a skinny post. But basically you're you're – Banking on him winning, you see the safety kind of cheated over on the other half. So, you know, you got two on two over here on this side and you're banking on either Trey Knox winning on this basic or skinny post or DK winning on the angle route. Um, and, I mean, you want to throw the ball past the sticks here. So, Trey Knox goes and steps on the defender's toes, breaks inside, and 6'6", 250, goes up and makes a big play. Um, holds on during a big hit and uh, that, that tees you up first and goal at the four. Um, and yeah, I mean, but but you can tell like, what you just talked about. This drive, everything was clicking. So Spencer's confidence, I think, is you – like, look at the kid. The kids, if they don't score on this drive, like, that ain't good, just with his confidence and, and his charisma going in. So, I mean, conf- confidence, 
is a mother. Um, and this drive was definitely a very confident drive. This play right here with DK looks, I mean, I wish you had the ends. I mean, I'm used to watching it where I have three different angles. I have side, front, and back. Uh, so I can kind of critique. I can see where their eyes are at and all that stuff. I mean, I I love watching all this tape. But from this angle, you got numbers. Um, it's a zone read. They're reading the backside defensive end. Trey Knox arc releases. So he's either going to pull the defensive end out or the safety out. And Spencer's just reading that backside defensive end. And he play and he and he slow plays it, so it's an automatic give. And then if you rewind it back, there's nobody on the play side. There's not a second level player on the play side at all. So uh, I mean, if DK doesn't score here, then um then JB, you might be the one that needs to go in there and play running back for the Gamecocks. because <laughs> um, it was mean, that easy. Numbers, huh? <laughs> you got numbers, you got leverage. I mean, you have everything under the sun on this play, and but that goes in like I wasn't a good football player because I was bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic than everybody. I understood the game and I took my pre-snap reads and I lived and died by them. And here, pre-snap read tells me I got to press the front side because there's nobody over there. And if my center just reaches that shade, nobody's going to touch me. Um, and Vershawn reached the shade there and uh, Ja'Kai worked up to the second level, was able to get a piece of that backside linebacker and, and it was a walk-in. So, um yeah, I mean, it's when you got good angles and you got numbers, good plays happen. So, I mean, this was a confidence drive. This was second drive, get, get them back in the game, going three and out in the first drive is never fun when you get the ball. Um, but to be able to come back here and answer was big, uh, especially with as easy as North Carolina went down and scored on their first drive. Yeah, look, I wanted to make sure that we highlighted that first drive here. I, I, again, you know, I know that South Carolina lost the game 31 to 17 and largely. Well, they couldn't run the football, not largely. They, period, at the end, could not run the football Saturday night. Uh, but there were some things that happened and wanted to get your thoughts on, on, on you, know, you know, all of it, the good and the bad. That drive there was was largely good. And we'll – here in just a second, we've got, you know, a little bit more that we're going to get to on um, on the South Carolina side of things that, that was good. And, you know, there's one play in particular that uh, once once we get it up on the screen – you really like it, and I just wonder how often we're going to use this. It remind me a little bit of some things that Coach Spurrier used to be around here. But Pat, I, I um, as it pertains strictly to the offensive line, um, and and, and 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 here we go. I so stop right there, Phil. Don't 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 fast forward. What, what are offensively? What type yeah. of set are they in there? They're in a two by two condensed set here. Okay, um, so balance set two by two. Um, obviously you got your seven guys in the line of scrimmage. Those are the two outside receivers. And then you have two wing players. Um, one, I believe that's Josh Simon and the other one's, uh, Miriam Brown. But you, I mean, you're, 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 you're in a pistol set here too. So that kind of takes away tendencies, um, where the ball is going, you know, when you run wide zone, you're generally away, you're on tight zone. You're generally two duo. You're generally two. Um, so it's this kind of, I mean, puts the defense in, no shit mode. This they can do a lot of stuff out of this set. Um, okay, go ahead, Phil. Let let it go too, because I, this is this is a this is a pretty unique play here, um, that And I I don't know if this is is this a common is this common in the NFL this type set? Very common. Yes, okay. this is. Um, I mean, especially in the evolution of the game right now, where wide zone mid zone is 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 at a premium. I mean, this is just a very simple. Play pass keeper game concept here. It's basically crosses. Um, 
And, you know, I, we talked about it maybe last week or two weeks ago, a lot of the kind of flashing backside, slicing backside, blocking down with the backside tight end. I mean, this this play right here, when it comes – like you, you talk about the offensive line. This play right here protects the offensive line, gives them confidence. Um, I mean, it is basically – the way it was coached up when I was in Atlanta, we ran a lot of this stuff, was the offensive line, turn and run and knock the crap out of whoever's in your inside gap. Um, okay. Not much thinking, not much else. Just go and chase it and sell the run. So you look at the offensive line, they're going. Hats are flying. They're trying to put an emphasis on that backside defensive end. And you see A.B. I mean, that's not a position where you really want A.B. to go down there and seal a backside defensive end, right? But because of the run action, because of the left tackle coming down so hard, that defensive end is squeezing because he's a C-gap player. So A.B. comes and, and condenses down just to make him think, oh, shoot, I'm trying to get pinned, I'm trying to get pinned. And then Spencer rolls out the backside. I mean, I, I had a question on this, on if, I mean, just seeing this play, on maybe if, if Juice ran the right concept here because it seemed like, I mean, just from everything I know, is you want kind of a high-low with Josh and Juice coming across on this concept. And it seems like, with a throwback to X there, it seems pretty – I mean, it's three a three-level throwback on the backside. You got juice high, you got X in the middle, and then you got the back in the flat. Um, usually when you see this concept, you see where it's a it's a high-low on both sides where here you're, you would be reading if X was across – or not X, if juice was across the field on the other side, you'd be high-low in that corner safety. Um, but who knows? Maybe this is a concept I haven't seen where you, where you kind of flood the backside, but usually it's flood play side. But, I mean, this is a perfect play call, perfect setup, you know. And if you're more efficient running the ball, you have this in the third quarter, you have this in the fourth quarter, you have all this stuff. But if you can't run the ball, you know, defense can sit back and say, I'll give you four yards um, and we'll make the play. So, I mean, it just goes into the emphasis of running the ball, getting downhill to be able to set this type of stuff up. This is early on, so – uh, here we go. I mean, AB, like, look at this matchup on a defensive end. That's not good. And then X just kind of stays the course. You see, usually I would think Juice would have cleared out the other side of the field, but maybe this is a new concept. And shoot, I like it though. <laughs> <laughs> it did work. And I, yeah. and I thought it was one of the more unique plays that was run by the Gamecocks on Saturday night as well. Uh, and then, you know, uh, coming up here, or, or go ahead, Phil, you can go ahead and, um, and, and, and let it rip. But, um, yeah, I now that you bring up the the Juice Wells situation, they're kind of being right above him after the play was completed. I don't know the difference, yeah. but it certainly makes. Yeah, it more I, mean, I would have done more on the backside, um, just kind of seeing more of the concept stuff. But either way, that's a first down game, Cox, and that just get get the ball to your playmakers. I mean, that was getting the ball to yeah. X in space there. And, and one thing I highlighted here was Juju's one hundred and seventy two pounds, and Juju pushes Xavier Leggett eight yards forward, forward more forward on this play. Yeah, and that's what just you, what. What are your thoughts on Juju, by the way, as a football player? What, I mean, I what do you he, like about it? From an instinct standpoint, he's just a really good football player. Um, he's a little undersized, but he plays with a big old heart. I mean, 172 pounds here and just basically grabs X and says, let's go. Let's go. We're not we're not done yet. Um, uh, you can win with guys like that. Um, I'm a huge fan of Juju. Good patience. Good football IQ. Um probably the most natural runner in that room um, just because he's done it for a long time. Um, so I, I'd love to see him get more involved, but I mean, being 175 pounds, 180 pounds, it's uh, 
you know, it's a big boy league. Um, and how many licks can you really take at that weight? So, um, but he's a competitor, just like he showed in the bowl game. He will give you everything he's got. I mean, look at him. He like that's what you gotta love. Like he loves football so much, he's chasing the ball, he's driving the play. He's I mean, like if I'm sitting there and I'm grading that tape, usually you just get a plus or minus. He's getting a plus plus there because he didn't have yeah. to get involved in that. Um, but he did. Um, like that's the type of effort stuff that you need to see from all eleven. If if you want to win SEC championship games, national championship games, you need eleven guys playing with that effort. Phil, fast forward to the next uh, clip here, and let so we can kind of move this sucker along, and we can get Pat out of here. He's it's, it's twelve thirty. It's time for a sandwich at the Marco house. <laughs> My, the uh, baby just got home from school, so you might hear a little yeah. chaos here shortly. <laughs> uh, so so here we go on the uh, on the defensive side for for South Carolina, North Carolina here. Um, uh, driving inside the 35-yard line. Gamecocks up 14-10, to 10, and this was a, a pretty critical point in the game here, and that's Keenan Nelson who gets beat, uh, Pat, for a touchdown. Now, yeah. First thing that jumps off the tape to me is at second and four. So kind of you have your will or whatever you want to do. You're ahead of the sticks. You, you know, not forced into passion, not forced into run. So we got – we got seven guys playing the run, so we're in a single high man. Um, and you better buckle up. You better play big boy ball here because nobody can get past you here. And Keenan has outside leverage. He's in a great spot. And, I mean, and it, it goes into the next view later, but you see that it's run action, so it's a full-on RPO. Like, you see the line's blocking. It's not a, it's not a flat-out pass. This is an RPO. He's reading. Um and this receiver just goes and steps on his toes, gives him an inside nod, and just and just beats him outside. I mean, you have to play to your leverage, and I'm sure T. Gray and Clayton White or all those guys are telling him, "You got outside leverage. We have you lined up on his outside half. You can't be, you can't get beat outside. Like that is your only job. If you force him inside, there's no play on the ball. Um, and but." I mean, second and four, you're ahead of the sticks. You can kind of run at your will. We, we're in single high man. You're vulnerable um, in those spots. But because they're so efficient running the ball, we have to have an extra hat in the game or an extra hat down there in the box. So, um, yeah, I mean, it would make our life on offense a lot easier if we could add that extra hat and make that box heavy so we could let our let our receivers run loose just like they did. 13-03 to go in the game here, Pat. South Carolina down 31-14, a third and goal, a touchdown. Would have been a big deal. Would have gotten into yeah. a uh, still a two possession game, uh, but it would have been thirty one to twenty one. And um, yeah. you know, we'll, as we as the tape kind of goes here, we'll see that this didn't work out. They ended up needing to kick a field goal here, and it, literally the, the reason this plays on the screen is because this happened all day long to Spencer Rattler. Just yeah. a bunch of pressure, tried to get out of there and couldn't get out of there. And it's really more. Um, it's really more about protecting the quarterback in this clip here, Pat. What, yeah. what, what I mean, was it that was so consistently and persistently good uh, for the Tar Heels up front? I mean, I, th- I think they just, they played with speed up front. Um, they really put a lot of stress on those tackles. Um, they went and set a tight edge and set it quick. I mean, on that play right there, we were in a six-man pro, so that means we had the five, five offensive linemen and Juju in protection. And they brought five, so they blitzed a backer, and they were in man coverage. Um, and you, you see, I mean, number 77 there, I think that is, is that Fugar? He, he yes. just drops his head a little bit. 
Um, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a tendency that a lot of, a lot of players have, and it's, it's, it's hard to do, especially when you're, when you're going against a really good premier pass rusher there. But if he holds up and just makes that guy run the hump, Spencer steps up here. And I mean, you, you look here, I mean, got a guy wide open. Omega Blake wins, but he wins late. Um, I mean, a big emphasis in football That's Omega in, in, the, in the back of the end zone, right? Right yep. there. Okay. Yep. But, but it's late, right? It's not. I mean that that route. Everything happens faster in the low end. Um, you have to win. You have to win right away. Um, now, yeah, if if, if that pressure is not there, he spits it to Omega and he's wide open. But you look, Omega tries to get inside, doesn't get inside, throws him back out, goes and wraps around him. I mean, that's you're probably a second and a half late there, and it's a and it's that that's the type of game it is, especially down here condensed. Um, but. I mean, you, you look there, I mean, Vershawn got a little top-heavy, too, and he dropped his head. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's week one, right? No reason to, no reason to panic, but this is all stuff that, that can get cleaned up. I mean, Spencer steps up in the pocket. He does what he's supposed to do. But And, and, and honestly, he might have broke that tackle from 25, but zero fell off and was able to clean him up, too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a pivotal point. You have to score touchdowns in the red zone. Um, especially in low red, low red, you get inside the 10, you need seven points. You know, you get inside the 30 and you sit there and you say, oh, we need to walk away with at least three here. But when you get inside the 10, you say, I need seven. Um, and, you know, uh, we were thinking the second half, we were down there in the red zone three times and walked away with three points. So um, that's, that's not the, that's not winning football. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and it equated to a loss, but, as Coach McDermott in Buffalo said, and I know a lot of fans don't want to hear this, you either win or you learn. Um, and and that's a big thing. Um, and, you know, sitting there as a player, I was like, yeah, funny, we just got our ass kicked. Um, but it's true. I mean, there's so many learning points to all this stuff, and I'm sure that the coaches have watched this 100 times, and they've probably been sick to their stomach at times watching it. Um, but I, I can promise you that, these guys are going to clean it up and they're going to go out there and there's going to be a heck of a lot better product out there on Saturday. And boys, I'm going to be there too. I'm taking Weston and one of his buddies. So I'll be my first game ever watching a football game in the stands at Williams Bryce stadium. All right. Wow. First time in the stands. Wow. It's going to be weird. Uh, It is weird. It's a big moment for parents, man. That's what, somebody asked me not long ago, why do you spend all that money? I said, because this is what we do. Mm-hmm. Because some people like to ride bikes, some people like to paint. You know, some people, everybody likes to do their own thing. That's fine. Well, we like to go watch the Carolina Gamecocks. And mm-hmm. even when they lose, guess what? We still go watch the Carolina Gamecocks. We did it for 21 mm-hmm. straight when they lost 20 years ago. So, yeah, I got, um, uh, that's is, awesome, I've man. Been, I've been to, went to a Bills game last year and a Falcons game last year with Weston and sat in the stands. Um, and so much fun. I mean, he's, he's seven now. So he was six last year with all that. But he's tuned in, man. He's like, he's into the game. He's watching the plays. He's seeing this. He's questioning, why do they do this? Why do they do that? Man, that guy stinks. Man, that guy's a rock star. Let me get the music going. Um, That's awesome. We were up, we were up at Lake Toxaway watching the the game last weekend. Um, we were up there for Labor Day weekend, and I let Weston and Sutton, so my seven year old and five year old, stay up to watch the. Sutton stayed up and watched the first drive and then Weston stayed up for the first half. And both teams come running out of the tunnel and my five-year-old little girl Sutton 
jumps up when uh, North Carolina runs out of the tunnel and she's screaming, shaking <laughs> And then Carolina runs out, and I turn on 2001 Sandstorm. Turn on Sandstorm, and she she's sitting there in her little nightgown. She takes her nightgown down, and starts waving it over her head. <laughs> That's awesome. That's what it's about. That's what right? it's about. I mean, That's their right. game, their Gamecock kids. Um, so we're excited. We're going to be out there. We're going to be tailgating over in Gamecock Park um, yeah. Saturday before the game, and going to be there. Going to be loud and rowdy, um, cheering on a win over the Paladins. Well, I'm going to go by Mike's on Saturday. So if you walk over there, I'll, I'll just text you and we'll try to yeah. catch up. We will um, make up for sure. I was over there doing the show on Friday and I left my favorite water bottle. So I have to go over there and get it. I've been missing that thing for five days. It's the only thing that makes me drink water all day. So that's. Yeah. I, 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 I got my mumbo jumbo on right here. I'm, yeah, yeah, you got I'm on second. I'll be in yeah. that vicinity on Saturday myself. So that, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Pat, JC, and, and Mad Dog, and myself, this past Saturday, we had to take more selfies with people that we don't know than we've ever taken before at this tailgate up there. I had a guy come ask me for a selfie, and I said, "You want it of this guy who I was standing with?" And he didn't know who he was, and it, but I did. His name's Mark Bryan, and yeah. I was like, oh, "That's Mark Bryan from Hootie and the Blowfish," and he. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Well, can we get a picture? I was like, "Well, I guess so." Yeah, that's. <laughs> All right. Look at you, JD. No, you know it's uh. So you know when we when we walk around with you, then you know JC, you and Pat, you and I, and we'll just be the ones holding JC's jock shirt. Nobody know who we are. The very <laughs> nice JC. Bro, I, I, I hide at tailgates, man. Uh, if it's not a, if it's not like a, a sponsored event, I'm like, I just. Yeah. I like to hang out with my friends. So. That's right. I'm, I'm 215 now, so I can go right under the radar. I'll put on a Carolina hat. <laughs> yeah. As long as, as, as Weston's not wearing a 47 DeMarco jersey, I, I'm in the clear. <laughs> man. That's um, good. Well, that's I'm glad you t- that first first game with your kid has to be special. So that's uh, I'm happy I'm, for I'm, you, man. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, it will be. We were 0-2 last year when we went to when I went to games with him. So hopefully we can counter that and start off 2023 with a bang. Start off one and zero. Absolutely. Well, we uh, looking forward to it. There's no doubt. Great stuff today, as always, uh, Pat. Hopefully next week we'll have a few more plays to talk about on the winning side of things. And um, and uh, Dow Loggins today being very honest, say, hey, we are a work in progress up front. Spencer Rattler covered up a lot of mistakes last week. Could have been worse, and uh, hopefully it gets better quickly. But we'll talk about all that next week. I'll see you this weekend. As always, really appreciate it. Sounds good. Go Cox. See y'all. There you go. Pat DeMarco, the great Pat DeMarco here on Inside the Gamecocks. The show. If you're headed to the ball game this weekend, you need to head to Gamecock Traditions. Or you can go to GamecockTraditions.com and order online. It's a big deal because they send it right to your house. And nobody out there has as much thing as Gamecock Traditions does at the prices that they do. They have new arrivals every week. We'll highlight a lot of those around here. They always have something on clearance as well. But I often get asked the question, where do you get your Carolina stuff in Charleston? Or where do you get your Carolina stuff? I'm in Greenville. And I always tell them the same thing. Go to GamecockTraditions.com, order it. They will send it to your house. And we can't thank Scott and Kevin and that whole gang enough for being a part of what we do here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Order today, Gamecock Traditions. They are out there in Lexington, GamecockTraditions.com. Also, by the way, on our app, if you'd like to view 
their entire repertoire of what they have in their inventory. All right, when we get back, agree or disagree, Phil and JC have three bold statements that they will each give their opinion on. Right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinorama Studios. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down in Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 864- 414-5271 Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. 
But at the Barn Dough Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy installation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Dough Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. Hey everybody, this is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. This crowd, the atmosphere that's going to be in that stadium, ready to explode just as they do each time. They're fighting Gamecocks are introduced. And so this frenzied crowd ready for the kickoff. And the raid breaks out in Columbia. And what you're about to see is a spectacle unto itself. Let's enjoy. All right, Phil. Like Saturday night. Oh yeah. At Williams Bryce Stadium. Whoa. Oh wow. That's... We got big real quick. Yeah, oh, that's nice. Right. All right. Uh, Twelve. 12- 47, welcome back inside the game guys to the show. That's what people said, said about me when I moved to Chicago. You got big real quick. You got big. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. By the way, I had a good time hanging out with YouTube goobers uh, for a couple of days. Up in Dude, Denver, it's, it's, so. it's, it's, it's on again this weekend, Jamie. Yeah. But that's, it's on yeah, again I mean, this weekend and perhaps the next. I mean, I, I don't know. But it's, it's on. This it, it, well, season, I, it's on. I'm only coming up Saturday for the game, coming back after it Saturday night because my family leaves oh. the following Friday for 10 days, so I won't see them for a while. No. And uh, so I'm just going to go up to the game and then come back afterwards, not spending the night this weekend. All right, cool. I'll but still I'll still see you. Yeah. yeah. I'll, 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 be at, see I'll be at Chateau Jernigan. Yeah. Yeah, I hear, well, you, then I'll definitely see you. You'll be right next to me. Yeah, I'll be right next to so, Um. Uh, real quick here, just a quick update from from uh, some things that Dow Loggins has said today. Um, basically talking about the intensity and how it's been up this week. They're big on pride. They're working on that. Talking about the run game, he says screens and three-step drops can also kind of be a run play. Uh, if That's kind of the way of the NFL, if, if you know what he's talking about there. Um, but they're looking at everything, scheme, personnel, running back by committee, the whole nine yards. Um, on uh, UNC claiming, I know somebody, JC, was asking your opinion earlier. Why don't we just ask the opinion of the offensive coordinator who was asked about it today by David Cloninger. Um, uh, uh, 
Dow Loggins uh, said that there were probably a couple of plays uh, that uh, some tendencies that were tipped to the Tar Heels, just as they are in every game, pretty much any team out there. But mostly when they were down 17 points, of course, it was going to be a pass play. He said there were other times when defenders had their finger in the air for a pass play and Carolina ran it. So um, that's probably a little bit blown out of proportion. And then he went on to say, as much as we self-scout, it was my first game, our O-line coach's first game, and a lot of players' first game. Um, And he specifically says here the UNC comments on that have been overblown. So there you go from Dow Walgins. Whenever a team – appears to know what's coming. I mean, I, I've seen this so many times. Defensive players in the postgame will say that. I've heard Carolina players say that before. We knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, look, I'll say this. Mm-hmm. Gene Chizik prepared quite well, and and you got to tip your hat to Gene Chizik. I mean, it's been a while since old Geno's dialed up a pretty good defense, right? What, Texas back in the day? Um. But, hey, he's a veteran coach, and you can tell they worked awfully hard on it all summer and knew where to attack Carolina. I don't think it's scheme versus scheme so much as if they were tipped off by something, I think. And people ask about Freddie Kitchens, personnel tendencies. Like, okay, well, watch 55 because he may do that. I'm not pointing out – I'm not saying Ja'Kai did this. Just, for example, pick a number, 62, whatever. Watch 63 – he may move his toe this way when it's packed, you know, because as a coach, if you're around a program for a while, you watch the practice every day, you pick up on that. So if there were any kind of tendencies they picked up on, it was individual players, not so much the scheme. And that's, that's hard to coach out of some, I mean, it's hard to, you know, you got 11 guys out there, but I, I don't think anything to do with, with the scheme, you know, like, like, so, and, a, and a lot of folks, myself included, I mean, we all kind of look at it sometimes through, the Xbox lens where, okay, this guy, this, this call versus this call works um, based on this. And, and everybody does the same thing. It, it, you keep in mind, these are 11 individual players out there as Pat pointed out, by the way, that was a, that was a great, uh, that was a great uh, segment, by the way, just wanted to say. Yeah, that. I'm glad we were able to pull that off with the video too. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, Mike misses the, in the chat box draw play and draw play could work. Draw play is one of the things yesterday is like, yeah, throw a draw in, just keep them off balance. I don't, I have a feeling that we're going to see some stuff this weekend that we did not see mm-hmm. Saturday just because this offensive coordinator has been around the block a few times, maybe not in college, but he has I, on I, another level. Yeah, I think you're going to yeah. see more players, Bill. I, I mean, I hey, look, more NFL, if, if you don't play well, they, they put another guy in there. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I think that was going to be fine. I, I, there's a lot I, I liked a whole lot more than I did not like uh, a lot of its execution and, and all that good stuff. What it did. Speaking of execution, if you guys want some high end clothing to go to the game, you want to go in style, you want to look snazzy like the three of us did on Saturday. Go check out Perry at Britain's. Walk in there, talk to him. Uh, Perry is not online. You have to go in. Uh, you can call him up. He can hook you up. He can mail it to you. Uh, but it's right there on Divine Street. We are dressed by Britons. Not every day because we have to do laundry. But uh, most days we are dressed by Britons right here on Inside the Game Gamecocks Show. Certainly thank Perry uh, for his support, not only of the show, but Carolina Rise and all the other stuff he does. So go by there on Divine Street in Columbia, see Britons. They got some really, really swanky stuff. You got the cocky uh, Shane Beamer, if you watch his coaching show. 
Britton dresses him for every single coaching show every Sunday. Uh, so I did want to mention him. Uh, Perry is a good guy. In fact, he is just as disappointed in the loss this past weekend as the rest of us. Just to, <laughs> yeah, wasn't too happy. So there we go with that. But let's uh, let's do a little Perry, agree or disagree. Perry, for what it's worth, by the way, you dressed all three of us for our dinner at Duckworth's on Friday night. Uh, JC and I looked like twins, and Phil looked better than both of us. So yeah, it was almost it was almost triplets because yeah, we, Phil we almost wore they're like the three amigos. Yeah, was, so we all we all have the cocky polo. We almost all three wore that out to Duckworth. Like yeah. it's like the like the the hangover. We're the three best friends that anyone ever had. That's right. By the way, shout out to Coach Joey Mills from Shiraw, South Carolina. That's right. See, that's saw, right. Saw the Mills family there, and uh, yeah. good people. Good people. North Carolina fans, be good people. All right, uh, Phil, uh, agree or disagree? It's our it's our ever increasingly popular segment that we do every Wednesday. It's taking the U.S. by storm. We'll start with you. Juju McDowell will receive the majority of the carries this week against Furman. Agree or disagree? Disagree. Disagree. Phil disagrees. Phil carries goes, specifically, right? Yeah, no. Carries, not carries, not yards. Carries. No. Phil disagrees. Okay, that is going on the Juju McDowell bulletin board. Phil does not believe in you. Okay. All right, down to JC. JC, again, these are bold statements, not true or false. JC, the defensive line is as big of a concern as the offensive line. Agree or disagree? Disagree, but not by much. Right, yeah. It's close. Now, look, I've watched these guys play for three years. They need to step it up. I mean, bottom line, they're all individually talented enough to play better. Hey, I'm going to be honest. I see it with Zach Pickens in the NFL. I mean, he's playing better. Yeah, I've had enough. I mean, I've had enough. These guys have been really talented the last few years. And every year we get excited about another big timer that they sign there. And I just continue to feel like they underperform. And I don't know what the answer is, but I know when they go to the NFL or when they go to other schools, they perform well. And, and it's past time. I mean, this, this, even on down years, this school has a tradition of having guys that get to the quarterback. They've put tons of them into the NFL. That's enough, you know, Go do what you're supposed to do. Um, and, um, you know, maybe we'll see some of that starting this weekend. All right, Phil. Spencer Rattler will throw for 300 or more yards again this week versus Furman. Agree or disagree? I faded him last week, and he threw that on his bulletin board and proved me wrong. So, uh, no, I think he throws for more than 300 against Furman. Agreed. Not that it's going to be an easy task. This is a – an experienced-laden team rolling in here on Saturday. Yeah, no question. Uh, but I think we see the game plan kind of lend itself more to uh, Spencer slinging it than uh, than we do the ground game. All right, JC. Xavier Leggett is wide receiver one. Disagree. I, th- I still think it's Juice Wells, but I think he's wide receiver 1A. And they're different guys. I mean, you know, you got well, those the next two. wide receiver one, then you agree. You, you got those two on the outside, and then you got uh, if you're one A and one B, that's still one, dude. So you're agreeing or disagreeing? Disagree. Is he one or two? I, I'm not putting him ahead of Juice. I'm just not. I All mean, right. that's why he uh, Xavier's caught 16 balls his last two games. Though, <laughs> think about that. 
The catch yeah. total for the last two is Xavier Leggett, 16. You know, you know what else? Wells, five. You know what else is 16 the last three games? Number of sacks Spencer Rattler has gone down. That's atrocious. It's been a problem. It hadn't gotten any better. Okay, all right. So you are going on the Xavier Leggett board of I don't believe in you. Okay. All right, uh, Phil. South Carolina will hold Furman under 125 yards rushing this week. Agree or disagree? I'm with you, Clint. 1B. Thank you. Good job, Clint. My man, who I got to meet this weekend. Very pleased to meet Clint. What a great guy. Under 125 on the ground? Yes. South Carolina will hold Furman. The Paladins under 125. Agree or disagree? Agree. Oh, Phil, coming in hot. All right, boys. We've got a believer from Mad Dog. Well done. And finally, JC, this is not a South Carolina question. It's a North Carolina question based on what you saw this past weekend. North Carolina will win at least nine games. Agree. I, I think that's legit. Um, will they win? I don't know much more. Than In the regular either. season. In the regular season, I'm sorry. Not oh, more. we're not counting a bowl? See, I nine said from the beginning, like, this is going to – like, Mitch Trubisky was the number one pick in the draft. North Carolina went eight and four. I fought Trig May. Same thing. I, I don't know though, man. They they are better on defense. Like that's they are. Look, I they are I better on defense, and they can run the football. They do have a tough schedule. I'll know more after they whoa, play. Whoa, 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 whoa! What do you mean they have a tough schedule? Who who are you calling tough? Uh, App State, okay. Minnesota, Pitt, Syracuse, Miami, Virginia, Georgia Tech, Campbell, Duke, and Clemson, NC State. I mean, you, you schedule South Carolina, App State, Minnesota in the in the non conference. I think that's that's tough. Clemson okay. doesn't schedule okay. like that. No, uh, no, no. Fair. Minnesota's. Fair I mean, I'll know more after the next few weeks because App State's not going to come in there scared of them, and no. Minnesota no. Minnesota will beat the Minnesota's not going to have problems on the offensive line, right? Uh, and then Pitt's always you know tough. So I mean, they've got three blue collar. We're not afraid of you. Tough. To, if they start 4-0, then absolutely. I mean, because I don't see Syracuse. I mean, you know, we'll see what happens with Miami. Virginia may be the worst team in Power 5. Georgia Tech, you know, close but no cigar. Campbell, I didn't even know they had a Division One football team. So, they, they may be undefeated by the time they play Duke and Clemson later in the year. So, uh, but I, I think. I'll stick with the eight for right now, but I reserve, I reserve the right to change uh, <laughs> if they start four now. <laughs> Bill, I think they will win at least nine games. I think North Carolina and Florida State are going to play for the ACC championship. So there's my bold prediction on September 6th. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it. Yeah, you'll have May and Travis for an ACC title. And uh, they don't play in the regular season, so why not play it in the in the well, title game? Well, Clemson going to be. Oh, they're not going to be in the title game. <laughs> Stuff in their faces full. Of well, that's that's they do. I, they lost to zero and one. They, they're zero and one in their league. Carolina has not played. You know, Carolina still got a shot. A couple weeks from now to shock the world and start one and zero. By the way, hey, the, the Georgia fans got after Bobo pretty good in the first half the other day on Twitter. Yeah, because well. they only had like hundred and six yards against Tennessee Martin. They were they kept running it and getting stuffed and they're like ah oh, this Bobo don't you freaking respect this Bobo where was Todd Munkin when we needed but 
we're back. We're back to the days of hating Mike Bobo in Athens, huh? Two national oh. championships in a row, and they, they the guys got to go. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I just you know, I, yeah. win nine games or ten games. What are we this doing? Year? What are we doing? I, I actually think Georgia Georgia's not as stacked as run, at running back as they used to be, and I actually think they were just kind of trying to work on that. You know, the power yeah. run part of it. Because he's he Mike's going to be more downhill than Muffin was, I promise you. He's going to try to do that. And I think they were just trying to work on it because they were playing Tennessee Martin. And it just didn't work. It went horribly. Much like Garrett Riley's uh, debut as the Clemson offensive coordinator. As running the Clemson offense. <laughs> yeah. Look, man, I, I thought Clemson was going – I thought Duke would score about 25 or – Clemson was going to hang at least 40 on him. So, I, I was wrong about that. I take no – I mean, I do take uh, – I'm happy I was wrong. The Tigers could start wrong. 0-2 in the ACC this year. And then, who's after that? Oh, it's a trip to Syracuse. <laughs> oh, <laughs> talk about one circle there. That's always like a My God. fun <laughs> one to watch. <laughs> Dino Babers can't beat his you know, grandma in a sack race, but Clemson, man, he either beats him or scares the bejesus out of him every single time. Well, they had no problem with the toothpaste this weekend. Sixty-five to nothing over Colgate. The fighting the toothpaste. Fighting toothpaste. All right. Thanks to Pat DeMarco for joining us today. A great segment. If you missed it, of talking ball, we had a few plays that we let him examine from the game this weekend. Good and bad for for South Carolina. They're trying to improve. We all know that. We'll be here tomorrow. Perry Orth will be in. So will Chris Phillips. So will another Power Hour with. Mike Morgan, the Golden Tones. Looking forward to that. I think we have a JC and Morgan coming up tomorrow as well. Or yeah, Mike, Mike and I had our fantasy football draft last night. and mm-hmm. I was taking a nap and missed the first 45 minutes of the computer pick for me. But then I made some pretty stellar picks. Oh, I, so. I always love that guy in fantasy football. The guy that doesn't pick and then forgets to update his roster in before game day. Yeah, I love it. No, I, I'm good me. about that. I just I I, I remember I had my alarm set and didn't. I had a docu a, a, a World War II documentary going. I was snoozing, right? Oh, yeah. And the Third Reich ended up invading Austria without any kind of you know with Phil, a British I'm, voice. This is great watching, to sleep to. I'm watching game film last night, trying to have an informed opinion on JC's watch World War II docs. I'm the Steve. I'm the Steve Spurrier of, of talk radio. Urban Meyer's prepared the last minute. He's sunning himself at the Ocala. Yeah, right. You know, oh shoot! I'm just here. Me and Jerry catching some rays. Check these boys out. All right, we got to get out of here, but we'll be back tomorrow at 11. We certainly are looking forward to that. For Phil and JC, we are served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, built by the Barndo Co, and always live from the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics, the Sinorama Studios. We'll see you tomorrow at 11 right here. Make sure you've downloaded the Chief Sports app. It's free and it's awesome. Link in the description.